Hi, I'm Katie Allen. I'm a paediatrician turned politician, and I'm constantly asked why change from one of the world's most trusted professions to one of the least? The answer is simple. I want to get inside the tent to help make our future better. Along the way, I've met fascinating people and learned a lot about how the world works. I want to share some of that experience with you, and through my podcast, you'll meet some really interesting people who are helping solve the problems of the world. Reach out to me on socials to let me know who you want to hear from. Join me, Dr. Katie Allen, on An Apple A Week. Hopefully, you'll learn as much as I do. Well, it's wonderful to welcome this week's guest for my podcast, An Apple A Week, and to introduce Charlotte Mortlock, who is a former Sky journalist and has commenced a fantastic new podcast called The Clock, which is about all the different pathways that women in their 30s take, uh, not just necessarily one pathway. There's lots of different ways that women are participating in the world and her podcast is one to get on and have a look at. Um, and she has also founded the Hilmers Network, which is a recruitment drive for Liberal women at the grassroots level. So it's fantastic to welcome you on, Charlotte, onto my podcast. Thanks so much for having me on, Katie. You know, really, we are finding that women and the Liberal brand kind of like oil and water at the moment in the public's view. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a, a multitude of different reasons, but um, I think it's a branding issue that the party has um, that we can really only solve practically in a couple of ways. And one of them is that we do that through policy, which I think is very liberal idea. I think um, a lot of liberal members like to think practically and they like to think about resolutions for things. But I personally don't think that we can do it through policy alone. And uh, I think that a lot of that also has to do with culture and changing culture is a little bit harder to do because uh, it can be a little bit harder to identify some of those issues. It's interesting when you look at the history of the Liberal Party, it was Dame Elizabeth Couchman who brought about 14,000 National Women's League members to the table when the Liberal Party was formed in the 40s and actually brokered a deal with the first leader of the Liberal Party, Sir Robert Menzies, who later became Prime Minister of Australia for a second time as a Liberal leader. And in that brokering of that deal was a constitutional requirement that there was equal representation of men and women um, on every executive and every branch in the Liberal Party. So there was already an approach to quotas at the very formation and at the foundation of the Liberal Party. What, what's your view on, you know, fast-forwarding, uh, you know, are there enough women in the Liberal Party and how, what can we do about it? So, no, there are not enough women in the <laughs> Liberal Party um, at both a grassroots level in our membership and also in leadership positions uh, as our politicians. And, um, you know, one of the stats that I point to most in these discussions is that the average Australian, as per uh, the last census, is a woman who is 37 and the average Liberal Party member is a male in his 60s. So what I find uh, really disappointing uh, is that, you know, I am a Liberal and I really like our Liberal ethos, but 
we had such a strong start in gender, like as you spoke to, our history is so good when it comes to gender. And at some point, we just started to fall behind and we fell behind and we didn't fix it and we fell further behind and we still didn't fix it. So I really hope that now is the moment when um, we really take a good look at ourselves and say, why aren't women coming to us? What is it about us that is not attractive? And I hope we are in a position to actually put some things in place that um, tries to rectify that because I really don't see a way forward for the party and us coming into government until we can really um, kind of resolve some of those issues. And what we're seeing really is generational change, aren't we, in the way that, you know, women are participating in society. I, I, I always sort of say we, we're really still coming through a more, almost a social transition. So in the 1960s, women got control of their biology. They could say, nope, that's enough kids. I want to stop. I want to be able to have, you know, some control of my reproductive biology. And then we saw in the 70s and 80s women joining, uh, you know, the workforce in massive numbers, but particularly women getting uh, tertiary education, which they hadn't had in large numbers before. So not just a job, but also a career. So wind forward to now, and we're seeing women participating in almost equal numbers in the workplace. They've got lots of choice about what they do with regards to family um, and women are making decisions to have family or not have family, to work or not to work, to work full-time or to work part-time. And I've often said with the Liberal Party is you see the very young and the very old, but where are the 30 and 40-year-olds, men and women, quite frankly? And the argument is, you know, they're out doing good Liberal things, which is having a career and raising a family. So we want them to do that, but their discretionary hour is really being eroded. You know, why are they not being attracted to contributing to political decision-making? There's um, a really good stat. I'm pretty sure I've got this right. Australian women are the most educated women in the world. Um, and that is brilliant for us. Like that is an asset for our country and for our party. And we need to be tapping into that. And one of the issues that I have found um, with our messaging, so I've done a number of Hilmer's Network events now, and I think what we haven't quite done very well in articulating is for both women who do have children and for women who don't, everyone's time poor, everyone's busy. And I don't think we've articulated clearly enough that even if you don't want to run, there is still a place for you in our party. I think that women who want to be candidates, they'll seek that option because they're so inspired and passionate about it that they will go out of their way. But I don't think we've said, hey, even if, your worst nightmare is to run or be a politician yourself, we still need you in the party. We need their influence. We need their contributions. We need to be able to listen to them. And I don't think uh, we're getting enough women at a grassroots level. And I do think that that is having a real impact. So that messaging on, you know, uh, the other thing I think is that we scramble every time. This is not just the Liberal Party, but all major parties. We scramble the time before there's a state and federal election saying where are our female candidates. It's not that simple. You have to nurture those relationships for five, ten years before. And there could be a woman who comes along to a Hilmer's Network event this week and says, God, I can think of nothing worse than being a politician. And that might be their circumstances at that particular time. But if we get them to dip their toe in, to be a member, they get more and more engaged. Ten years, their circumstances change and they are our perfect candidate. And that is how we need to start really thinking of these relationships and nurturing them. And to your other point, I think um, 
in the past 100 years, society has changed so much. We have really evolved a lot. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for how well we have done to adapt to a lot of that, particularly the older generations, because, uh, you know, it's been hard. The, the world that they knew when they were born is completely different to uh, the world that we have today. And I think that the people who love the Liberal Party the most will allow us to evolve so we can still be a viable option in the political landscape. I think that a lot of the older members that I have that come along to Hilma's event because they think this is really fresh, this is something new that I want to support because we need to evolve the party in some way. And it's about finding that balance of how do you still keep to the ethos of the party but evolve it enough that it's still a viable option for young people, particularly women in their 30s and 40s and men as well. Now, it's interesting because I think that um, the, the branding is, is kind of where the problem is. But as you said, it's also about participation. And um, when I was the member for Higgins, we actually, before COVID happened, we had about six or seven go girls um, drinks. You know, women have different conversations. Um, I think, the, you know, women change the room. So when they're inside the tent in politics, uh, women change the conversation. Julie Bishop speaks very well about how you know, men will talk about a military response and women will talk about a trade response at foreign policy level. They're just a different approach and, and may more be a more collegiate and collaborative approach. So just by being in the room, women change the conversation. But also I think they have different political conversations. And I think for new women, it's great to be in an environment where they can ask questions that they may yeah. feel, ah, oh, no, this is a bit stupid. To answer this question, I know myself, I only became politically yeah. active, you know, very recently, actually. I was only joined the party in 2016 and it was all very new. So there's no book about where to yeah. learn, you know, what are all these issues that I'm sort of dealing with. So for someone yeah. who's new to the party, it was just great to be able to deal with other women feel like I could speak about that. Is that what the Hillman's Network is about? Yeah, completely. So um, we know that women suffer from imposter syndrome more than men. And, you know, I, at the first speech I gave at the first Hillman's Network event, I said, you know who is not asking if they're qualified enough to go into politics because they don't know the difference between the upper house and the lower house? It's men. And it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. If you are a teacher, if you are a nurse, if you are a doctor, if you uh, are in early education and you know your field back to front, you are our perfect person that should be a politician. It shouldn't be the other way around, someone that knows politics really well but has no lived experience. So I think making it really approachable to women, and we had women at the first event who were, you know, pulling me aside and saying really quietly, like asking questions, being like, I know this is really dumb. And I was like, that is not dumb. You, we, we, the the people like myself who are so politically engaged, we're the dorks. We're the political dorks that spend all of this time understanding it all. They're the normal people that don't want to, you know, don't spend their days completely focused on it. So there's no, there is no dumb question, and we need to be really making it approachable to them, saying you don't need to know anything. Come along. And there were people that were, you know, pulling me aside and saying I don't really understand the political ethos of the Liberal Party versus the Labor Party. Like, what is the difference in the values? And I think that's a really valid question to ask because sometimes it can get a bit confusing with, uh, you know, the saturation that we have in the media and that messaging can get lost. So having a really approachable space that is fun, like you said you did with your dinners and your drinks, that's what it is. And you need people to come along and say, oh, 
there are actually a lot of women here that are similar to me that, you know, might be at a similar stage of life or have a similar career or um, a similar background and all of those sorts of things. You just need that one event that will make people go, okay, I've got a bit of a sense of belonging here. I'm interested. I'm curious and I'll come back. And that is what we really need to work on. And so, you know, you've got that sort of concept of participation, but of course, policy has to drive it all. If, if we don't stand for things, you know, that are important to women, and certainly when I was a member, I was trying to get the attention around, for instance, the Women's Economic Security Strategy, which was actually commenced by Kelly O'Dwyer, but the party was really struggling to sort of see it through the lens of you know, female empowerment, I suppose. So to me, the issues that were resonating with women was, you know, economic security, safety, climate action, childcare policy, home ownership, aged care for their parents. You know, there are things about, we care about helping ourselves, which is good liberal values. We care about the people that we support and we care about the community and the planet. And so that sort of liberal women's lens um, we weren't sort of seeing that come through. So, what, what do you, you know? What do you, what do you find in the Hillmas Network that women are particularly interested in? Well, what I'm really um, trying to ensure is that um, I am not directing the policy. I am getting the women together, and I am saying I'm here to listen. You guys tell me what you think because that is what I think that um, you know the Teals probably did. Um, quite effectively in the last election I think that they sat down and said you tell us and I think that politicians particularly from major parties can get um, a bit uh, they can go down a bit of a rabbit hole of thinking that they need to constantly explain their policy as, as opposed to listening so I try to keep Pilmers as factionless as possible I want it to be available for all women there are women in the Liberal Party who will identify as being more conservative and others who will identify as being more moderate and I am saying, I love the broad church. I like that we won't all agree. Let's sit down and talk about, you know, what our different ideas are. And, you know, that is just creating that channel, that conduit, and saying that we want to have a robust conversation that goes two ways, I think is a really important start for that. Because um, I also think that in politics, we speak about, you know, um, policies for women. I think that that is becoming um less and less relevant in the sense of I think what women want is actually the same as what men want and that goes hand to hand to you know most families having dual incomes most families have two parents in the workforce and our women are as we said before highly intelligent highly educated so it's actually not so much about creating policy for women it's just about creating good policy. Mm. Well actually with regards to the deals I think they didn't create massive policy that is attractive women it was more that they actually had a focus on three things and only two of those were um for a start the last election there's a 50 50 intake of women from coalition uh women and men so that we have had women come in but of course now many have been swept out with the tills movement but they had climate integrity and women now that's just um the professional workplace writ large because it's the equivalent of esg environment social yeah so climate i've never made that so, so I think what they did was they focused it around th- three things that, were, 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 that they were clear. So climate, everyone gets that and understands that, and that is, is resonating right across the whole of Australia. Integrity is also something that's very clear. So I think that they just resonated around sort of simple concepts. Mm. They did consistency of the concepts, so they all chose different targets. Um, and interestingly, Labor and Liberals, um, because they're accountable as major parties, 
they couldn't talk about the issues because then that would be down in the weeds and it was making a mess of, you know, can you pay for it? Well, because neither party was prepared to talk about it, Teal's walked in and said, well, we've got a target that's 65 in this seat and 60% in that seat. And they didn't yes. even have a unified position when it came to a policy, but they, yeah. the community bought it. And the other issue is, um, you know, you've, you've got to look at our system of democracy and how it works and know how it works. And that's quite hard to explain to the general public. But the Westminster system is not set up for independence. They're, they're, the legislation, the bills that they put forward, um, you know, that's it's not effective. The, the best thing that we can all do, every Australian, regardless of which way they vote, is that we kind of improve our major parties as best we can. And I am really, really intrigued to see what happens in the New South Wales election because, um, you know, that's a government that has been very pro-climate. That is a government who has already has a functioning ICAC. And so I'm really intrigued to see how the chills go on that. But, yeah, I think that... Um, it was, it was definitely a demand for a cultural shift, I think, more so than I agree. They were very light on policy, in fact, like really not having any at all other than those kind of three words. Mm. Um, and I think the, the other thing is that, that independents have traditionally done well in regional areas and there's now an argument that they've, they've you know, the Teals have done well in, in inner city, um, but as the governments have changed to being Labor governments, um, in the last state election, we saw the Teals did not do well gain any new seats. Um, and arguably, arguably, that's because they're not anti-government, they're anti-liberals. I don't know if you saw the graph this week that came out from um, WWF and they said that the best states in terms of renewables was New South Wales number one and Tasmania number two. And they're two Liberal governments. They're the only two Liberal governments. But for whatever reason, our messaging is not getting across. Um, you know, we did change. We had a momentous shift in the federal government's position to actually embrace 2050 target with yes. a plan and some practical, you know, and, and funded initiatives around that. But we were unable to convince um, the, the electorate that we were um, authentic about that. Well, I think that the New South Wales government has actually got the runs on the board. And Matt Keane's really been championing that beautifully. Well, that's, I, I think that's, you're exactly right. It, it has a level of trust to it. And um, that goes into the cultural part of not just having good policy, but also working on the culture. So people do trust us that when we do have good policy and we say, we're going to do this, that people go, okay, great. They're going to deliver on that. Absolutely. Well, Charlotte, it's been lovely um, chatting with you and getting your opinions about the world. But um, I always like to leave my podcast and I like to ask my guests, what do you see for the future in the next 100 years? A couple more female prime ministers. Um, Katie Allen, re-elected. <laughs> I also think that, you know, in, it's going to take us 100 years by the current rate to have um, an equal amount of female and male CEOs in Australia. And that seems like a really long time for me so um i would really like things to be moving at a much faster pace and i'd love to halve that if not quarter it so well three quarter it i should say well thank you for all that you're doing to really you know raise and support liberal values because it's not just about the way it's done it's actually why we're doing it and you've got those values front and center and we're very lucky to have you championing the course of the liberal party you are indeed the next dame elizabeth couchman 
thank you. That's a a big call, but I'll take it. Thanks so much, Katie. Great. Lovely to chat. Thanks, Charlotte. Reach out to me on socials to let me know who you want to hear from. Join me, Dr. Katie Allen, on An Apple A Week. Hopefully, you'll learn as much as I do.